Welcome everyone, I'm Jeffrey Goodman, Director of Marketing and Development for the YMCA of Northwest Louisiana, and we're here today for Shreveport Bossier, my city, my community, my home, and we have a very special guest today, De Niro Washington. De Niro, thanks so much for being here. Thank you all for having us. Absolutely, and go Gators. <laughs> go Gators. <laughs> for you that don't understand that, that's okay. All right, De Niro. So let's let's start here today. Okay. Uh, since 2015, you've served as the chief executive officer of Sportran. Yes, sir. If you could, please give everyone a basic overview: your annual budget, number of employees, hours of operation, and areas served. Sure. Um, so at Sportran, we're all about our citizens, number one, and we we did a true transit development plan a few years back now. And so we looked at that to gauge where did our service go now. So our, our normal operations Monday through Saturday is a 21-hour operation. We're open at 4.30 in the morning. We close at 1.30 the next morning. On Sundays, we do have a limited schedule. It's from 8 to 5. Um, the operation and what we're trying to do as an agency is push the mission of pushing uh, our citizens forward uh, and providing them a hand up. You know, a lot of times people see um, public transportation as a means of getting to their educational appointments, their work, their work-life balance, and we want to make sure we provide that opportunity for them. And areas served, which I didn't realize oh, all this until I did. Uh, areas we serve currently is the Shreveport, Bossier, Martha. We serve the urbanized areas. Uh, we are looking to expand. We're working on an expansion plan now uh, with the state of Louisiana for how do we serve more of Cattle and Bossier parishes with our new on-demand service. And you serve, you're responsible for all of Caddo, all of Bossier. We are responsible for all of Caddo, all of Bossier, as well as Shreveport Bossier. We just don't have all the service that we should have at this point, uh, but that's our job. Our job is each and every day is to get up and try to find solutions, funding, to make sure we're able to provide that service and opportunities for the great people here in Shreveport Bossier. And you, you touched on this a little bit, public, public transit for those of you that don't know, is an essential part of the local economy. It is. Buses connect our citizens to employment. Mm -hmm. Approximately how many riders does Sportran carry a year? So, it's funny you ask that. You know, for years now, public transit nationwide have seen ridership only decrease. Uh, so we as a staff sit down and have an amazing team there at Sportran. And it's all these wonderful, great ideas that, you know, we go out and get to try. Uh, our ridership right now for the last year or so has been around $2 million. Uh, this year we're looking across the $3 million mark. Uh, we did the zero fare program. And, and so as we're growing our ridership where trends across the nation is going down, we're now seeing this trend of uptick in our ridership. Just yesterday was looking at the overall year-to-date numbers. Um, we were up 98% over last year's numbers for its ridership. And October to October, we were up 132,000%. Uh, 132, 132%. I got you. Whatever. <laughs> it's a lot. 132%. <laughs> so when we say that, uh, that was, uh, we had 108,000 rides last year. Uh, this year, we crossed 251,000 rides. Uh, so per month. Per month for, for October of this year. Um, that was our ridership count. So we look at that as a positive sign. We see that zero fares actually provide that opportunities. What you know, we saw, we studied other programs before we put this program in place. And so one of the things we wanted to do was, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, the $40 a month monthly pass is a barrier for many. 
Uh, that dollar twenty-five in the fare box is a barrier for many. But some of us have been so blessed uh, that sometimes we don't identify. Uh, but just removing that barrier has provided opportunities for others that did not have those opportunities. Those ones that wanted to look for an employment felt like they couldn't get places because they didn't have the funding. Uh, so we've heard so many success stories uh, since putting the zero fare program in place, and ridership is is trending in the right directions. And I didn't actually, that wasn't part of my research, but I'm glad you're mentioning it. Is that still in place? And zero fare? Yeah, zero fare is in, pro, in place. Uh, we did this year and next year, and we're working on funding opportunities to continue that um, past the um, 2023 cycle. Which I know it may seem obvious, but what you're saying is basically anyone that, the, the bus is free. Anyone. If you show up at a bus stop, the bus is going to pull up, you're going to get on, the driver's going to greet you, and you go sit down, and when you get ready to get off, you pull the pull card. That's that incredible. Of the, the, the fare is actually going. Okay. Uh, so, and then the other thing is that people don't realize is even if some people had the fare, so a lot of times people have never rode public transit. And so the fare box we saw as a barrier. And, you know, people are afraid to get on and say, I don't know how to use, I don't know how to pay fare on, on, on a transit coach. So we saw that as an opportunity to be able to uh, identify a need and remove that barrier away. Uh, and so that's the reason we're doing all we can to have funding sources in order to support and empower our citizens here in the Shreveport Ocean Market. So I don't need anything at all. I just show up at the bus stop, get on the bus, bus get off at my stop. No one's going to ask me any questions, and I can I can do that all day, every day. All day, every day. Okay, awesome. 21 hours a day. Love it. So, and, and you touched a little on this, but under your leadership, Sportran went through a four-year process to design a total restructure plan for the agency based on feedback from the riders. Correct. Since completing the project, which I thought was pretty fascinating, Sportran is one of the few transit systems in America that has seen a growth in ridership. Correct. How is Sportran different? Talk a little bit about how Sportran is different today from what it was when you started the restructure process? So Sportran has done wonderful for years. I always tell people, you know, the previous leadership, Mr. Eddie was there for 40 years, did an amazing job with the transit system, and I'll never take that away from him. But, you know, as times grow and things progress, um, we listen at the citizens. One of the major things is a lot of Sportran routes were set up north-south, and there wasn't a lot of east-west connection. Um, we, we developed more in our system where you're able to connect within route get better connection points. So take for instance, if you're on the Line Avenue bus now and you want to get to Erie Drive, our previous system, you would have to ride the Line Avenue bus all the way to the downtown terminal. Transfer it to downtown terminal to get back out to Erie Drive. And now we have made it so that buses are connecting. So one of our major transfer points is at Line and Pyramid now. So we have a West 70th, East 70th buses that serve those corridors. And so now you can get off at Pyramid, take the East 70th bus, down to your drive corridor and you're within the corridor you're trying to get to. So that was a major change that turned a two hour trip into a 15 to 25 minute trip. Uh, so that was something major that our citizens wanted. And so that's why you start seeing a ridership increase because people saw, saw that the system was more valuable. And what do you, I, I learned, I, I didn't write it down and I learned the term in preparing for today's discussion. What, what is the term when uh, a, a trip is, uh, an overall trip, what is that called? The when, yeah, headway. The so headway. you've reduced the headway the time. Headways on all our routes. You know, before the majority of our headways run an hour. Um, our average headway now is about thirty minutes. 
And that means that's the time that you're taking to get to your destination, a time to travel from destination to destination. The other things we did was we looked at different facilities where in the past everything went into the downtown terminal. So we looked at how did we strategically place facilities in places that will allow people to connect in different modes and different means. So that means we built the Southwest Transfer Hub. That means every brown And where is that? That is at the corner of 70th and St. Vincent in the old Cedar Road Park. Okay. So we built that facility along with the intermodal terminal, and that that allowed us to keep some vehicles from having to go all the way into the terminal, but also put a connection between those facilities because sometimes people want to do things within their own community. They don't want to have to leave their community <laughs> to travel all the way downtown to go somewhere else in their community. And so there's now a, a terminal at 70th so and St. Vincent? There's a Southwest. We call it our transfer hub. So there, okay. there's a terminal facility there. Another uh, terminal location that we use as a transfer hub is the Shreveport Regional Airport. Okay. And then we also build a, a facility across from the Louisiana Boardwalk. It's a okay. smaller facility. We're looking to enhance that facility over the next coming years to do more of what we did at the Southwest facility. Uh, but we also put a Bossier facility in right across from the Louisiana Boardwalk. So that means that everyone in Bossier doesn't have to cross the region to Shreveport to get somewhere else in Bossier. We have all the Bossier routes now connecting there, and we put a connection route between the intermodal terminal and Bossier. That means that everything in Bossier can move a lot faster <laughs> without having to cross over the bridge, go back and forward. And if you wanted to cross the bridge, then there was a bus also that's there to make, that will connect you back with all the Shreveport routes. And so before the restructure process, you just had one terminal, yeah. now you have four. You had one terminal, correct. Everything went into one terminal. So if you wanted to get anywhere, you had to come to that terminal, you had to go back out. So the main thing is, as you just identified, headways were the, the ideal situation that we had to reduce. And out of all those public meetings, and I tell people, we had 101 public meetings. I was at each one, every one of them. So, you know, you got the thing. You heard the message that people wanted, and they wanted to be able to get places faster. Sure. When we first started the system, um, back in November of 2017, people were like, oh my God, they didn't understand because so many of our riders had been used to coming into all the facilities. And now that we had the opportunity for them to transfer within route, that was a retraining process. So we, over the last few years, we've done this major retraining process with our riders, and I think it's going extremely well for us. And then that brings us to the last thing that we did uh, that we're still working to progress and, and move even further is on sports and on demand. Some of the lower line markets, when we look at headways, the reason we looked at sports and on demand is, is that, say for instance, in our Kingston area in Shreveport or you know, other areas within Bossier, uh, we eliminated some services as well. We are looking at how we can strategically place these on demand vehicles, similar to Uber and Lyft. So the difference between our on-demand service and Uber and Lyft is that our on-demand service actually goes from stop to stop. <clears throat> so you can go to a particular bus stop in the area, request this vehicle. Vehicles are normally there 10 to 15 minutes. Where at no cost. At no cost. Those are free as well at this point in time. Zero, zero cost to the, to the general public. With that being said, you are now able to get in those vehicles and connect back a lot faster. So when we had those places where we still didn't see the hour headways after we did the, the, the change of the, the whole system over, uh, we looked at how do we put the sports train on demand in, and that gives you the ability to connect back to the original system a lot faster. It also gave you an opportunity, such as the Kingston area in Shreveport, where if you want to move around within that district, you can go from bus stop to bus stop on the on-demand system and get there a lot faster. Uh, there's, you know, with also COVID coming, we're looking at how we expand this pro. COVID came, you know, we're looking at how we, we expand this program and work in the downtown market uh, to roll this out. So in 2023, we're going to be rolling out a lot of additional on-demand service, looking at how we can be more flexible with that. And also, as you said, it's zero fare. So it's giving something to our citizens um, that's a hand up. 
That's incredible. And, and I don't know if you mentioned it. Talk to me a little bit about kind of the reduction in, in, in number of bus stops to through this process. Oh my God. The reduction in bus stops. So we first took over the, bus, over the system. Uh, we're around 3,200 stops. We actually, before eliminated, we eliminated quite a few stops and we got down to about 28, 2,900. As a part of that process, uh, one of the things that we did was we, went, we looked at the national average. The national average of bus stops is about every four blocks. The great cities of Shreveport and Bolger, <laughs> we had a bus stop on every corner. Uh, so what we did was, is we went in and we identified, we kind of took the worst of the evils, and we said, well, we're going to go with every three blocks. So we went in, we pulled every stop up, we removed all our blue signs, put all our green signs down, and now those signs are basically spaced every three blocks. Now we're about 1,100 signs. Uh, it also is for you know people who are driving behind us. They they greatly appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely, <every> block. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we tried to put it. We you know we tried to look at safety and ADA as part of this as well. We have a major ADA plan and major safety initiatives as a part of this service that's going to continue to roll out. Um, where we're putting new shelters, ADA improvements in. So we looked at where do we place these stops so we can make sure that we're able to make sure that we're spending federal and city dollars the best of our abilities to make sure that every stop is ADA compliant. 2020 2030 awesome all right so I've, I've heard it spoken about but I know very little about it can you can you tell us a little bit about the downtown circulator the downtown circulator the downtown circulator runs about every 12 minutes to every stop in the downtown market and so what we're looking at Shreveport and Bossier so okay. it, it actually crosses the bridge it's actually the connector between our sports trade intermodal terminal and our Bossier transfer hub Okay. So every 12 minutes, you can catch a bus at any of those locations in downtown. And so what we're looking at, what we do at this time, is we circulate the downtown area from stop to stop uh, and uh, make sure that that opportunity is there for uh, for the citizens here in the Shreveport Poetry Market. Uh, one of the, the, the cool initiatives that we're getting ready to roll out, hopefully going to roll out in 2023 as well, is that we're going to expand what we're doing with the uh, downtown circulator with autonomous vehicles. So we're, we're working with a smart grant right now and a grant that we have been working on for some time um, that will bring autonomous vehicles into the downtown corridor um, that would also give you more connectivity. So, you know, I know a lot of people are like, oh my God, these driverless vehicles, I'm not, not sure, but, you know, we have been able to uh, travel to Las Vegas as well as Denver and look at pilot programs to be able to study and see how those can be successful. And I always say, why not Shreveport Bolger? Uh, you know, we go to these larger cities, we see a lot of this stuff, and then agencies our side say well we don't have the manpower we, we don't have the coverage to do this but i believe in bringing those type technologies and things to enhance our citizens and then it's, it's also going to be great when we have these right outside of our convention centers and our tourist bureaus it brings about attractions that you can't see in every city you don't have to go to las vegas to see autonomous show uh, in service so that's one of the major things we're going to do with our downtown circulator uh, that's going to enhance that headway even more hopefully get it down to a seven eight minute and one thing I realized in preparing for today's discussion is just how progressive you are as an agency. Um, uh, I'm gonna come back to that. Actually, I got a question in between. So, um, in 2019, you wrote an article about the number of covered bus stops in our community. At the time, you stated there were over 800 bus stops in the city of Shreveport, but only 100 were covered. I believe the 2019 bond that failed included money to increase the number of covered bus stops. What is the situation today, and is there still an overwhelming amount of bus stops that remain 
without shelter or cover. So, so there are. So I would say in the last four years, we have grown our shelter stops. We probably added 50 additional stops. One of the things that we're going to downtown area now, we've been doing quite a bit of construction in downtown. Uh, we're adding all new shelters in downtown for a tap rent that was given by the state of Louisiana. Uh, another major thing that happened was that uh, part of the ARP funding that the city received, uh, they gave a little over 1.5 million to invest in um, bus shelters throughout the city. Well, so we took that 1.5 million and we leveraged that portions of that in order for a 20% local match and applied for a federal grant. So now we uh, just won a federal grant earlier this year for 1.9 million. So now we have a little over $3 million uh, that we're gonna be investing over the next two years, uh, adding about three to 400 new cover shelters. So we less than half of our ship stops will not have covers, but you know, also when we go back, we'll be, we're in a process. One of the major things we do is we identify where things are needed based on capacities. A lot of people, you know, they tell you about how many people ride the bus and blah, 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 blah. With that being said, you know, we have passenger counters on every bus. In real time, I get data uh, sitting at my desk and tell me how many people got on at every stop, how many people get off at every stop. We use that data. Our agency is very data driven. We use that data in order to be able to um, produce where our next stops are going to go, where those shelters are needed most. Uh, we look at, you know, headways. Who do we have to stand along? So, you know, if somebody has a five-minute headway versus somebody have a 30-minute headway, then we look at those areas. So that's kind of how they're being prioritized. Um, and like you say, hopefully, it's on the city council agenda. It actually started about two weeks ago yesterday because we didn't have the full two weeks. It kind of laid over. We have the budget amendment that is reclassifying the local matching support decree. Um, once that's done, we'll get this into a procurement process, and you'll start seeing a lot of construction at bus shelters throughout the city. Great. So let's get into the the progressive aspect of what I've, I mentioned earlier. Uh, most people don't know that Sportran was the first public trans, transit agency in the state to deploy electric buses. Correct. I believe today, if I'm not mistaken, that your fleet only consists of electric buses and alternative fuel-powered buses. Correct. How many buses total are in your fleet today, and how many are electric, and how many are CNG? So total at this point in time, we have 55 heavy-duty coaches that are in our, in our fleet. Uh, five of those are battery electric vehicles. We will be accepting additional two uh, later this year uh, from Proterra, and then we just received another grant through the RAISE grant where we're going to be improving the medical corridor, we'll be adding additional seven to eight uh, battery electric buses that will serve that corridor. All the rest are CNG at this point. And um, the exciting part about that is through state and federal grants, uh, especially working with the governor and Dr. Wilson, which is the Secretary of Transportation, have been very generous and given us funding to continue our CNG mission. Uh, and so we are, we got the first 18 in so far, but we're in the opportunity, we're going to replace 35 of the CNG buses this year. So first 18 are now on the road uh, and it's, it's great a lot of technology a lot of additives uh, that we're not on our older coaches but also to improve quality of life uh, not only for our bus operators but for the citizens that are, are taking those coaches are you replacing you're replacing old cng with new CNG. cng we're replacing old cng you know i always laugh because when i first came to the agency back in 2011 they had just accepted their first cng buses in 2010 so when i got there that was the big thing it was we're just putting this new CNG station in. We got these brand new CNG buses. And now, you know, 10, 11 years later, I'm <laughs> replacing all these vehicles. So it feels weird, but, you know, a million miles later, uh, those buses have served us well. Sure. We've been able to uh, 
there's like I said, there's so much change in two years. You know, you want to add that technology. You want to be able to add those those comfort things that would make uh, the vehicles more accessible uh, for our general public. And that's what you know we've included in this next round of vehicles to make sure that we have these things, digital screens where we can push by Wi-Fi. There are special announcements that we need to get out. We add a lot of upgrades within the driver areas of these vehicles, so for safety and ADA accessibilities, uh, things that the drivers will feel more safe uh, being within their confined space and things that will direct back to us. Um, those buses are also part of our new network that we'll probably get a chance to talk about as part of your podcast of things that we're doing there at the old Sun Furniture location. Um, we'll be able to bring on additional technology using those vehicles as well. And tell me a little bit about the electric buses. Just how long does the battery last? Where, where are the charging stations? What can they be plugged into? And so right now we have our own charging station there at the Jack Wells facility at our main office, which is on Jack Wells. We're actually in the This process. is by Sunfur. This, this, no, is, no, this is actually uh, closer to the downtown airport. Our main okay. office is right out. It's maybe two blocks around the corner from downtown airport. Okay. Most people don't know that. Most I didn't people, know that. Uh, I always laugh because people always say, your office is at the downtown terminal. I'm like, no, my office is on Jack Wells. And I was like, you know, nobody ever thinks about where does all the buses go at nighttime. They don't park at the terminal. <laughs> so we have several acres that are that's close to the downtown airport okay. uh, that supports that with a maintenance facility. We have a full 24-hour maintenance facility, a bus wash rack, uh, that, and that's where all the administration office and all the supervisors. Uh, we get all, get all our, our guidance from the citizens, and we take it back there, and we, we meet and coordinate and try to do these wonderful things for the citizens of Shreveport. And that's where they pl- that's where these buses. That's, that's and the how, bus how long does it? How long does it? So charge right now takes about four hours at nighttime. Uh, we do bring them back. We're, right now we're using the electric buses kind of on peak time service. So we use them basically five to nine in the morning. We pull them off around nine. And then we put them back out basically one to five or two to six somewhere in, in that range in the evening. Uh, we do get additional charge in the evening. Uh, but these buses should be able to support six to eight hours of range. So with that being said, you know, we bought these buses, they are 2017s. Uh, our new 2023 vehicles that we'll receive next year, or late this year, early next year, uh, how Christmas fall, and that whole mix of the line progress, um, those that range has been extended. So we're thinking we can probably get 10 to 11 hours out of the new range buses and the battery packs that are provided within those coaches. And I don't know anything about this because I don't own a Tesla or anything like that. But if I was going to charge my Tesla wherever I went to charge it, I could also charge your bus there? So, no. Okay. Uh, our buses require a little bit heavy duty of a charger. The funny thing is, is about this whole electric thing is is that I've learned a lot. I'm sure. <laughs> Over the last five years sure. with electric buses. So, the first charges that they proposed to us um, by the manufacturer have been replaced. Uh, and, and that in these five years now, and so what we're doing now is uh, we've upgraded those chargers to more heavy-duty chargers. Uh, one of the things that I would tell you is that we're even getting ready to go a step above that. We are at our old Sun Furniture warehouse. Uh, we're building a new, uh, our new autonomous electric bus maintenance facility. So all the electric buses will be housed in that facility, as well as all our autonomous vehicles will be housed there. But what we're going to do is we're going to build a full-range charging station in the back to be able to charge all the vehicles. But we're also going to be looking at panographic charging, which is overhead charging. Um, so right now you plug in like a Tesla, but our buses have an overhead blade on that will allow you to pull under and go from the full charge to the taking four hours and charge in 30 minutes. Wow. Um, so we're looking at what we call blocking in transit. How do we block these vehicles? How do we pull them out of schedule when the drivers on break? We bring them into this facility charger 
get them back on the road uh, within 30 minutes, have a full charge, and possibly can keep them out to 421 hours with blocking of the vehicles properly uh, for additional charge. So that's the reason that we'll be doing a lot of construction on that site. And we also want that closer to our downtown intermodal terminal. Um, because right now, our, our main office is about 10 miles from there. So you lose 20 miles going and coming back. Um, but if we had a, a facility right outside of our terminal that housed all these electric vehicles, then that reduces that 20 miles, additional 20 miles the citizens get to see versus us driving back and forth. And tell people where your main, your your fairly new now main terminal is just for people our, that our don't. Our brand new terminal is right there at, at Murphy and Texas Street. We built okay. that terminal back in 2017, opened in November 2017 as well. So it's also about five years old now. We still want to say it's new, uh, but um, we have done upgrades in that terminal already uh, from, you know, uh, technology upgrades as well as flooring and then in 2023 there's also some enhancements that the Federal Transit Administration uh, will be paying for to enhance our terminal to keep it up to date and uh, bringing that great technology to the citizens. And uh, I'm down to my final question we may talk a little bit further but um, in doing my research on you it's abundantly clear that you're very community-minded. I came across this quote of yours when you can transform your community and bring things to light, that's a great thing that you can always look back on and say, hey, one day my kids are going to be able to see this. I'm doing this for my grandkids. In your opinion, how do we get more people to view this as a we and not a me community? You know, I think it goes back to being self taught say self-talk is the things that you learn when you grew up in your upbringing you know my parents raised me in a way that it was always about what do we do for others you know what you do for others will be a reward for yourself and, and, and that's just kind of where I live my life you know and I think it goes back to the households nowadays is that we've got to instill in our kids that the more you do for others the more will come for you uh, and so that's just been my mission. That's what I instill in my, in my kids at this point. I have four of them. So hopefully they go out and be good, productive citizens one day. Uh, but that, that's what I try to instill in them. It's, it's all about what do you do in order to uh, push your community forward. I love Shreveport. I grew up here in Shreveport. Uh, been away, came back home, and, and, and see all the great things that can happen. So I take my position each and every day on is how can I do something that benefits my community? How can we change the nature of what we're doing here in Shreveport, Bolger, uh, to do focus on some of those things that we see other markets. And I tell people all the time, there's no reason Shreveport, Bolger can't have the things that Dallas, Fort Worth have. It's all about us supporting those things and being a part of those as a community. But my job as being a transportation professional is making sure that we are working with those economic development partners, those tourist, those tourist partners, to make sure we're providing the needs that they need in order to reach the next person here in our Shreveport, Bolger. Well, you're definitely pushing uh, this community forward, and I appreciate you very much and all the work you're doing. Is there anything else you'd like to tell us about your world? Um, I, I would just say there's, there are exciting things on the horizon. Um, I, I would say that you know we are working heavily with Amtrak, uh, so I think we'll see some Amtrak developments here in the, in the, in the near future. And when you say near, are we talking about? Uh, in the next two to three years, you, you okay. should see some very significant developments within Amtrak. 
uh, for our Shreveport Bowdrey market. Uh, meaning, uh, meaning I might be able to ride an Amtrak train so, in so, Shreveport. So a major discussion just this past Thursday. Uh, I was in Monroe uh, with Senator Bill Cassidy, and one of the things that you know he is eager to use a lot of the federal funding that has been passed as part of this bill to build out that corridor. Uh, it was a great stakeholder. I've been to many Amtrak meetings. Probably never been to a meeting that had this many professionals with like minds in one room, over 100 professionals who are in this room to just discuss how do we uh, fix that gap between uh, Longview and Meridian, Mississippi, uh, and uh, different states from Senators. Uh, Senator Hyde Smith from Mississippi was there. Uh, Alabama's on board. Uh, Texas had senators there. And for us to have our federal senators all in one room in Monroe, Louisiana, talking about how do we push things forward, uh, I think was major. So I think that was a step in the right direction. Uh, also, other things that we have in the development process is our new Sun Furniture Building. Uh, that building is now under construction. Uh, that is the ideal location for the Amtrak platform. Uh, we've had many discussions, so that's the reason that that building is under construction at this point. Uh, it will it will consist of a food style retail retail court as uh, well as several retail developments. It will consist of a possible waiting room for Amtrak, uh, and the second floor is gonna be our new innovation center for Sportran, which would include a bus simulator. So we'll be able to simulate, bring drivers in, put them on the simulator before even going out. Our new training facility, because training is big to us. We spend uh, 12, to, 12 to 16 hours yearly uh, with drivers one-on-one -on -one just to make sure that they're, they're doing safety things. But the major thing that we're building there is we're building a real-time control center for transit, uh, which means that every one of our buses, cameras, will be in live feed on walls there. We'll have staff there watching. So we can already tap into vehicles in live feed, but all the cameras are just not in this big. So we're building a new control center. They built one in Austin. Got the chance to take our staff to Austin to see this center and how it could change the nature of how we do things. Not only that, we'll be able to connect with state DOTD cameras. Several other cameras we'll be installing. We'll be able to connect with railroad cameras so we can divert vehicles so they're not sitting at railroad tracks. So there's a lot of major initiatives that are going to happen as soon as this facility comes online. We're just a site that's under construction and supposed to be completed in March of next year. Wow. Awesome stuff, De Niro. We're excited to do it for this community, and we love the community we live in. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you. all you're doing. Thank you. Absolutely.